To him who was, who is, and who is to come, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration this evening from Matthew, chapter 26. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the experts in the law and the elders were assembled. Peter was following him at a distance and went as far as the courtyard of the high priest. He went inside and sat down with the guards to see how it would turn out. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so they could put him to death. They found none, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Have you no answer? What is this that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you have said. But I tell you, soon you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? See, you have just heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He is deserving of death. Then they spit on his face and punched him. Some slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it in front of everyone, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. When Peter went out to the entryway, someone else saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it with an oath and said, I do not know the man. After a little while, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, because even your accent gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear, I do not know the man. Just then the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now this evening we look at two very different men in some ways, two men who were both on trial. The first man, a man who came from relative obscurity just three years before, had now really become the talk of the town. In fact, the whole city of Jerusalem was stirred up because of this man, because earlier in the week they had welcomed him into Jerusalem as a king. This man had also spent time in their temple preaching in the courts. He had also taken out all the money changers from those same courts earlier in the week. This was a man that the people now knew. But then the mood all changed. And now this man, this teacher, this accused rebel was standing on trial for his life. So what would be his defense? What would be his witness? What would be his testimony? The second man, a follower of the first, was also in some ways on trial for his life. There were going to be accusations leveled against him, but what would he say? 
what would his witness be? What would his testimony be? And then there's finally us here this evening gathered. And what is our testimony? After all, the world likes to put us on trial and likes to accuse us of all sorts of things. So what is our defense? What are we going to say? What is our testimony? Well, let's begin by looking at the first of those two men in those dark hours of Good Friday morning. Jesus, our Savior, as he stood there on trial before the Sanhedrin. But yet Jesus, all along, he knew exactly what was going to happen. Jesus knew, in fact, from the very beginning exactly what it was going to take, that all of it was leading up to these very moments. Jesus knew, as he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, what was going to take place in the next few hours and days. He knew what was going to take place as it was all written about him as it was prophesied, as it was all part of God's plan, that on that very morning, he would stand before the court of the Sanhedrin. But when I say a court, it really wasn't so much a court, was it? After all, there was already a a really a foregone verdict and conclusion to that trial. During that kangaroo court, they parade in front of everyone else, this this unsavory group of of witnesses, and yet their testimony doesn't even agree with each other, except for one thing, one thing that had taken place actually three years prior that Jesus had said a rather cryptic promise about the resurrection from the dead three days later. But they didn't understand that. They had no idea what it meant. So Jesus did not need to give an offense. He didn't need to give an answer or any testimony until the chief priest then made him under oath swear if he was the Christ, the Messiah, the promised Savior. To which Jesus said, I am. But then there was the other man, the other man who was on trial too for his life, a follower of Jesus, a man we know as Simon Peter. Now, Jesus earlier had told Simon that there was going to be this moment of truth that was going to come up. And it seems in some ways that Simon, he just brushes it aside. And then you might remember that that Peter, he makes that very bold confession, and he says, I'm going to go even with you to your death. I will never deny you. I will never abandon you. But then the accusations come. The pressure starts to build, and that rock-solid faith of Peter begins to crumble. It starts off with a, a servant girl, just a, a mere servant girl who comes with the accusation, you, you were with that Jesus. And Peter, well, he leaves, he tries to get away, he sneaks away out into the entryway. And then there's that other accusation that, that comes at him. No, you really were with Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, your accent gives you away. And then what does Peter do? Well, he starts swearing up and down by heaven and earth. I am not. But what was Peter so afraid of? Now, we might look at the account and say, well, he's, he's talking with some servants, especially the servant girl. She had no real power. But you might recall that in the Gospel of Matthew there, it tells us that in that courtyard were also the guards. And every single one of those accusations, every single one of those words that were spoken about Peter 
could arouse their suspicion. And now the stakes were beginning to grow. Maybe they would overhear. Maybe they would take notice. Perhaps they would arrest Peter and then really put him on trial. But regardless of how big the stakes had gotten, that bald-faced lie of Peter was just as damning as the lies that were being told about Jesus on the inside. But this evening, now it's time to take that interrogator spotlight and, and aim it squarely at each and every one of us. Because what are we so afraid of? After all, we know in this world that we are often accused, we are often mocked for our association with Jesus. And you've probably had this happen in your life. Maybe you have been accused of of being a goody two-shoes. So what are we so afraid of? Have we always come to the defense of our faith or the defense of someone else's faith? or, Or do we quickly change the topic to something else? Because what are we afraid of? It's not as if there are guards standing here, soldiers waiting for us to say something so that they can cart us away to jail or even worse. Is it because at times we have been accused of and we've also not wanted to associate ourselves with with what people notice as those Christian weirdos out there? What are we so afraid of? Is it because we're afraid that we're going to be singled out, that we're going to offend somebody, that we'll be alienated? Is the fear there because we're afraid we're going to lose friendships? Or maybe the reason we're so afraid at times is because it comes from those we least expect it to. Maybe a friend, a family member, a loved one, someone that we look up to all of a sudden changes their tune and then they put us on trial for our faith and our life. But why are we so afraid? After all, should we not be surprised at this? After all, Jesus warned Peter this was going to happen and he warns each and every one of us having a connection to Jesus, being associated with Jesus is going to single us out. People are going to take notice. It may alienate, it may offend. Having that connection to Jesus, being associated with the Savior of the world, People are going to see that. And it may then bring pain and suffering. That's the facts of being connected to Jesus. But not being connected to Jesus? Wouldn't that be even worse? Because what is scarier, the thought of spending this lifetime suffering alongside Jesus or suffering apart from Jesus forever in the fires of hell? Now, getting back to the scene that night, Jesus had told Peter that before the rooster crowed, he was going to deny him three times. And in that very moment, after that, Peter turned and he saw Jesus look at him. Now, you just have to imagine what Peter saw. When he saw the face of Jesus, did he see sadness? Did he see disappointment? When he looked in the face of Jesus from that distance, could he see the the blood and the spit dripping down his face? Or when he looked in the face of Jesus, 
did he see love and compassion that he knew he didn't deserve. Now, whatever Peter saw in Jesus' face, it had an effect in it. And so Peter ran from there. He turned and he went outside and wept. Now, my dear friends, when we look in the face of our Savior, what do we see today? Because we know we have often been a disappointment, that we have made a mess of our lives, that we have often failed to confess our connection or our association with Jesus. And so in those moments when we bring that to a realization for ourselves, what do we do? Do we turn like Peter and we run? We try and hide, we weep? My dear friends, instead of running away from our Savior, let us turn and seek his face. Let us turn and look to our Savior because he is always there for us. Because for all the times that we have failed in our connection, where we have failed to claim our association to Jesus, he never failed to claim you. And that's what grace is all about, isn't it? That our Savior was willing to come into this world and do everything that was required for us. That's mercy, that our Savior endured all of those things for us, even though he didn't deserve any of it. And so my encouragement is turn and see the face of your Savior. Listen to his words and his testimony about himself as he tells us very plainly, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the anointed one, the promised Savior. And now your faith and your baptism connects you to everything that he has accomplished for us. Every one of the words that our Savior has spoken, every one of those testimonies that he gives, they still apply to us today. For our Savior Jesus, the one who once stood before that court is now standing in the glory of heaven. The one who stood there unfairly put on trial by sinners will one day come back to judge the living and the dead. Now all those years ago, all it took was that rooster crowing and Jesus turning and looking at Peter, and you might say it taught him a pretty valuable lesson, didn't it? made him realize a lesson on repentance. But what I always find amazing is how quickly Jesus, after he rose from the dead, restored Peter, assured him of his forgiveness, and then what's he tell him to do? Feed my sheep, get back to work. And you know what? That's what Peter did. For the rest of his life, Peter would go out there and, and let others people know about his friend and his Savior, Jesus, to let them know what Jesus had accomplished. Later on, Peter would write letters to various congregations, congregations that were struggling as he encouraged them to, to honor those in authority, to respect each other, to love one another. And then maybe in a bit of irony, he, it has this encouragement Always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be patient in suffering. My dear friends, those words and that encouragement come down to us this evening. For in a way, I hope that your Christian accent gives you away. 
I hope that people notice through your words and your actions that you are a present-day follower of Jesus. Now, having that connection, having that association with Jesus, I can't think of anything better than to be accused of being associated with Jesus. And yet I know it might bring suffering and it may bring hardship. But it also gives us the opportunity once again to point people to the loving face of their Savior. To let them know what he has done for this world and how he has changed everything. My dear friends, may this be our testimony. Amen.